0: hope you had a good New Year's Eve stayed up with the uh, turning of the of the year we always sing this song should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind should old acquaintance be forgotten days of old lang syne traditional song 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 every New Year's Eve I uh was looking up the song and, and reading about it and uh cause I don't know what they're talking about but uh it's, a, it's essentially, these are Scottish phrases, and uh, "Old lang syne is a Scottish phrase that means essentially old days past. And it was kind of interesting because you would think that we're singing about going into the new year and the hopes and the dreams for the coming year. In fact, what the song is singing, which most of us don't know because nobody speaks Scottish, is what we're saying is we're singing about the past. And they're reminding themselves, gee, let's be careful not to forget our friends, our family, who we are, where we came from. I I thought it kind of interesting. You know, when it it comes to the past, the Bible has two commands for us. The first command is forget it. And the second command is don't forget it. Which can sound a little confusing. (laughs) But uh, it's not that it's contradictory. It's talking about two different things. And uh, I thought, well, on our first day of the new year, let's take a look about what we should not forget and what we are supposed to forget. First thing that we read about, this is in the 2 Kings the 17th chapter, God warns the people not to forget the deal he has with them, the covenant. Do not forget the covenant I have made with you and do not worship other gods. He's talking to them. Why? Because they kept doing this. They kept forgetting the deal. Now, as people of faith, we serve such a wonderful God. We have the best deal in the world. Everybody likes good deals. You know, I got a good deal on this. I got the best deal you'll ever make is this deal with God, where God says, I will come to you. I will dump my grace, my blessings. I will forgive you of everything you've done wrong. This is my end of the deal and continue to bless you. Your end of the deal is now you live by my principles you turn away from the life that you had before and now you start living my life my way this is a great deal you gotta admit I mean this is this is fabulous now the problem is is uh... people renege on the deal and I promise you the only one who reneges on it is us cause God never reneges on his end of the deal All right. but from the beginning of time with mankind this was a continual problem God would bless them he would forgive them he would give them great prosperity in their lives and sure enough they would forget about God and his way of living and start living the way that they wanted to live and being pressed into uh, whatever culture was trying to squeeze them into their mold this has continued until this day this still doesn't end we live in a world that desperately wants to conform everybody into its way of thinking Uh, and this pressure the Bible talks about this pressure that's constantly on us But what we are to remember is we are different. We are not like everybody else. We have a different deal going on. We live by God's principles. No matter what the world around us tries to tell us how to live. And the thing that breaks God's heart the most and the thing that grieves me the most is when I see people of faith. People who claim to be Christians. Living, acting, thinking and behaving more like pagans and heathens. Than they do Biblically, And it gets us in all kinds of troubles. It's the biggest reason why so many people do not experience God in their lives. Christians, because they fail to live by the covenant. They forget their end of the deal. Um, and they forget who they are. And they feel pressured to live a certain way. And uh, But we have to remember who we are as people of faith. And young people, especially you teenagers. I don't care how many of your friends are all doing it. I don't care what everybody else thinks and everybody else is doing it blah 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 we don't care (laughs) do you see the concern on our faces doesn't matter who's doing it if everybody's doing it we are different there are some things we do not do there are some directions we do not go there are some places we do not visit why because we are people of faith we're different we're in a covenant relationship with a God we are commanded not to forget our end of the deal. And oftentimes people forget who they are and they start keeping conformed. Now I'm just talking about teenagers. My, the ones that grieves me the most are adults who should know better. They do know better, but they blow it off. People living with their boyfriends and doing this, that, and the other, and God only knows they shouldn't be doing. And you talk to them about it, and just almost never ceases, I hear this response Well, my friends don't think it's wrong. Everybody thinks it's okay. Listen, I don't care if everybody in the world thinks it's okay. It ain't okay. We're different than everybody else. We don't care what anybody else. The only person you should be concerned about pleasing in your life, the only principles you need to be concerned about are the principles with Him. Why? Because we are in a covenant relationship with God. It makes us different. Some people will love you for it. Some people will hate you for it. Some people will bless you for it. Some people will curse you and ridicule you for it. We need to not care. Because we are people of faith. We're different. In more ways than one for some of us, but... Don't forget who you are. You know, it's interesting. There's, there's this one account in the uh, New Testament. We won't read it, but uh, it's where Paul uses that phrase that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? We've all heard this. and That's why people say you shouldn't, you know, eat bad food or, you know, you need to take vitamins or whatever. Because, we're all our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you can make that extension. But that's not what he was talking about when he used those words. He used those words to the Corinthian church. Now, the boys in the Corinthian church had a bit of a problem with prostitutes that's a big problem and he was you would think he'd yell and scream at these guys for what they were doing because at times he would he'd just go off on people what are you doing? what are you thinking? but in this case he didn't yell and scream at them what he did is he started to reason with them he says don't you realize who you are your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit you should not be taking the temple of God and connecting it with a prostitute, take seriously how you handle yourself morally, is what he was saying. So he wasn't talking about taking Amway vitamins, for heaven's sakes. He was talking about living morally. Somebody say Amen. amen. Bunch of Presbyterians out there this morning. And uh, so, don't forget who you are. That was his main challenge. And I think one of the reasons we act the way that we act and disappoint God and forget the covenant is because we forget who we are. We cannot forget who we are. We need to remember we are in a covenant relationship with a God who loves us dearly. So that's number one. Number two, the other one I found is we're not supposed to forget the benefits of being people of faith. Psalm 103 says this, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not All his benefits. And because of the list, the benefits, the next one's, the first two he says is, he forgives all of our sins and who heals all of our diseases. We understand the part about sins. but What we often forget is that God actually wants to move physically in your life. He wants to change your physical world. That's why we pray. Give us this day our daily bread. This isn't some hope and dream off. We literally are praying that God would change our circumstances. And God will, if you'll get in a place of faith, God will change your circumstances. Now, you have a choice. You can either, as people of faith, let your world be determined by the culture around us, the economy, and this and that, and that's why everything's the way it is. And I can't. And I got a stupid boss, and everything else. Like that. Of course, this always makes you a victim. Or you can realize that these are just shadows. The one who really controls my world is my Father in heaven. And I can trust God regardless of what's happening in the circumstances around me. Regardless of what's happening in the economy. Or regardless of what's happening with my big fat mean ugly jerk of a boss. I have a God who can move literally and physically in my life and change circumstances. That is the power of prayer. So I don't believe that. That's why your life sucks. Because you don't believe it. When you believe it. And you really start experiencing that is cool and I promise you, and you've heard me say this many times, the number one reason people don't see more answers to prayer is because they do not pray we whine, we complain, we bellyache, we grumble we cry, we yell, we moan, we groan we think that's prayer, that's not prayer prayer is coming to God in faith and knowing who you are understanding this covenant relationship and watching God change the circumstances in your life, and and this is, this is the thing about the Christian faith, this is what makes it cool it's overcoming circumstances I like to read the book of Revelation, well parts of the book of Revelation most of it I don't understand, parts of it freaks the willies out of me but the part that I like, is where over and over again Jesus says, to him who overcomes I will do this, that and the other, he keeps seeing it over and over again to him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. He, we need to be overcomers. Don't get discouraged when you have things that you have to overcome. Because you cannot be an overcomer if you don't have things to overcome. Yeah. Does this make sense to anybody? Yeah. Instead of freaking out, oh, it's horrible circumstance, i got to overcome. Hello. This is opportunity for God in your life. Well, I don't like it. Well, nobody likes it. You cannot get to heaven if you're not an overcomer. That's why only married people will go to heaven. <laughs> Single people are doomed. Just teasing. Just teasing. Don't freak out when you've got things that enter your life that you have to deal with. I'm stunned by people of faith who just freak and panic and get mad at God because they got something to overcome. And the whole point, of we should be expecting it constantly. We should be hurdlers for Jesus. You ever run hurdles? You see people running hurdles? You know the thing about running with hurdles? Is there's things in your way. <laughs> Does this make any sense? One lady got it. Nobody else got it. There's... Because I used to run different kinds of races in school. I was extraordinarily skinny back in those days and very fast. And I would run. And I liked the races where you could run and there was nothing in your way. You could go a lot faster. (laughs) Then there were the hurdles small inconveniences along the way that you had to hurdle over. Hence the name hurdles. This is the Christian life. The Christian life is not just seeing how fast you can run, it's doing the hurdles. And the thing is, they come unexpectedly, like in a video game. Right? You're running, and all of a sudden, ah! you know, you're supposed to hurdle. You're not supposed to stop and go, oh. where's God? Where's God? There's another hurdle. I don't understand this. Ouch. <laughs> i do for you people don't freak out jump the hurdles (laughs) next one don't forget god's word the bible tells us in proverbs 4 then he taught me and he said to me take hold of my words with all your heart keep my commands and you will live get wisdom get understanding do not forget my words or turn away from them. But now look at it. Take hold of my words, keep my commandments, get wisdom, get understanding, and do not forget them. But you can't forget what you don't get in the first place. The problem here is so many people don't take the time to really learn what God says about life. That's why we have the Bible. That's why you should actually read the Bible. By the way, having a Bible in your house that you do not read does you do nothing. It's not a good luck charm. It doesn't keep demons away. Demons probably just sit on it and laugh at you. Okay, you have to read it. You have to open up, read it, learn what it says, and start to live by what it says. And don't forget what it says. I like this next one. Don't forget the basics. A couple of things we're not supposed to forget. We're not supposed to forget the basics of Christianity. It's amazing. What happens when you forget the basics of Christianity? The Pharisees, by the way, were like this. They would forget the basics and they got all caught up in things and fighting over little doctrinal things. that didn't matter worth a hill of beans. Goodness gracious, people sometimes get so hung up over little doctrinal things. Let's remember the basics. That's why we say the Apostles' Creed together every Sunday. I know there's churches that get up there and they just ramble and repeat the same things over and over again. Blah, 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 They don't quite get it. That's not our intention and our goal. The reason we do this is to drill into ourselves what we believe. Why? So we don't forget what we believe and to get it into the next generation what we believe. Evangelical Christians, which we fall under that category, are very guilty of this. I think evangelical, most evangelical churches don't ever want to repeat anything because they're afraid they'll turn into a Catholic or something. I don't know what their deal is, you know. As a result, evangelical, we have this terrible, you should see the statistics. They say, what is it, 60, 80% of, of each evangelical young people by their first or second year of college have totally given up on all the basics of their Christian faith. Primarily because they've never really been taught them that much in the first place. We talk about them, but then we move on. You know, have hot dog eating contests or whatever, you know we need to remember we got to drill this stuff this is why we do it so we do not forget this is what our faith is about these are the basics this is the stuff that's important for us and why we recite them Hebrew says this do not forget to do good and to share with others talk about the basics why would you have to write to these great Christian men and women and say something so simple because it's easy to forget the simple It's easy to forget the basics. Again, we tend to forget what we should remember and we tend to remember what we should forget. And it gets us in all kinds of trouble. I like this next one. Don't forget what God shows you about yourself. Now this is in James. He writes this. Do not merely listen to the word like you're listening to me now. Just don't listen and don't do anything about it. And so deceive yourselves. You have to do what it says anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do it what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard but doing it they will be blessed in what they do he uses the analogy of a mirror now We all look in a mirror every day. We all begin our days looking in a mirror. Why? To see what's wrong with us. Okay? You usually don't look in a mirror just to admire one's beauty. Very few of us fall into that category. We look into mirrors to see what's wrong. Some of us are shocked by what we see every morning. You might feel fine until you see your hair sticking out all oh, goofy. You got egg on the tip of your nose or whatever the deal is. The reason for looking into mirrors is the fix. What's wrong? It does you no good to look in the mirror and go, Ugh, and then walk away and forget. And your hair stays sticking out. You still got egg on your face. You look awful. What's the point of that? This is why it's so important for you guys to come to church all the time. Are you listening to me? Because Now you stop and think. You look in the mirror everyday, it's the same routine. It's the same deal. There's nothing really new to be learned. You fix this, you fix that, you throw some paint on your face, whatever needs to be done. Spackle stuff, whatever you gotta do. Why? You do this everyday. Why? Because if you don't, you will look goofy. Nobody wants to look goofy and frighten the small children. So we go out of it. Well, so it is with our faith. The purpose for coming to church is so that you keep getting a picture of, oh, oh, oh. I need to fix that. I, I need to change that, you know. It, you wouldn't just look in a mirror once every six weeks. Can you imagine what you'd look like? Good heavens. You know, look, you don't just look in a mirror on Christmas and Easter. Thank you very much. You need to come and keep coming. Why? Well I heard about Yeah, you looked in the mirror before too. You need to keep coming. That's the purpose of getting together, reminding ourselves, seeing what we really look like. And isn't it amazing? I've been in this for forty years. It's amazing how I can sit in a service and I preach and teach and stuff, and I'll be listening to somebody preach, and all of a sudden I'll go, Oh. Ugh. Whoops. <laughs> Forgot about that. You know what I'm saying? This is the reality of our life. This is why we need to gather together so you can grow in your faith and experience God. And I promise you, some of you on the edge, you know, kind of looking at up and not really doing much with your spiritual lives. One of the reasons your life's never changed, you come to church sporadically. You're, you know, every six weeks, every four, every other couple of weeks, you know. Look, I, I'm not going to send you to hell over, but hello. You need to look in the mirror, Jack. You're ugly. Your life is ugly. How do you get it fixed? By looking in the mirror, being in a position where you can see what God is trying to show you. So you can grow, so you can become the kind of person who can start experiencing God the way we're talking about experiencing God. It just doesn't happen. It happens on purpose, by not forgetting. Then I'll end with two things that we are supposed to forget. First one is we're supposed to forget all the self-righteous stuff we've done in our lives. Yeah, you know, oh, I'm such a wonderful person, I did this, I did that. You know, your own good stuff, man, forget about it. Don't get proud, don't get arrogant. Well, I succeeded at this, I did that, I accomplished this. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. We need to be more humble. Paul, the apostle talked about this. Now you have to remember, Paul was an extremely intense religious man. Now here's a guy who not only obeyed the Ten Commandments... He obeyed all of them. When you look in the Old Testament, there's hundreds of these commands. Talking about when you could do this, when you could do that, what you could eat, when you could eat it, when you could work, when you couldn't work. I mean, they had rules about everything. And Paul writes about himself, he says, concerning that Old Testament law, that big yo mama part of the book of the Bible, all those rules, he says, I had obeyed every single one of them. Holy cow, who's like that? I've broken almost all of them, you know what I'm saying? He, He obeyed all of them, hadn't broken any of them very religious man. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a big yo mama religious guy of his day. In fact, when Christianity first started taking off and people were freaking out, they turned to him to try and kill him, to squelch it, to stop it. Paul, whose name at the time was Saul, was the first one to persecute Christians. He was one of the first ones to kill the the, the first martyr, Stephen. He went after Christians everywhere he could find them, arresting them, beating them taking from them, destroying everything in their lives, thinking he was doing God a favor, getting rid of these Christians. And that's when Jesus revealed himself to him and wow, transformed his life. He changed his name to Paul and he wrote most of the New Testament. But Paul's writing about all these and he goes through this list of all these incredible accomplishments that he had being one of the most educated men of his day and brilliant, incredible man righteous holy as as most people would think but we read in verse 7 of Philippians 3 he says but whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ what is more I consider everything a loss all these things that I did on my own all these righteous things because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I've lost all things I consider them he writes garbage now he didn't actually say garbage now the NIV translation of the Bible, which is this translation's most popular one today. It's really a great translation because it's very clear to understand. But these guys who translated these things, biggest bunch of wusses I've ever seen. These, every time in the Bible anywhere where there's anything remotely considered slightly offensive, they would change it. So a lot of the real in-your-face stuff that you'd see in the Bible, we lost in this Translation some of it doesn't really matter, some of it we lose out, you know, but talk about missing the point here he didn't say I found him garbage, he literally used the word for excrement, the King James Bible got it closest when it says I consider it all dung Bible scholars say it's actually worse than that, he used the common everyday phrase which I will not repeat this morning so just relax but he said all this holiness and righteousness I consider a great big pile of Fill in the blank. That's what the Bible actually says. That's what he thought of all his great accomplishments. That's what he thought of all his great successes in life. That's what he thought of all his righteousness. A Big palahui. These guys said garbage. All this that I might gain Christ, he said, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Whoops. <laughs> The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. participate in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this, he said. You know, I'm not perfect. Nor have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He's not there yet. But one thing I do, he says. Forgetting what is behind And straining toward, toward his head. It's about forgetting the right things. Remember the right things, but forget other things. Forget about your own, I'm of this, I'm of that, that you think makes you so great. And the final thing we'll talk about that we should definitely forget. And this is a biggie. We're supposed to forget those who have wronged us. We read about it in 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter. This is the love chapter. You hear this at weddings and stuff. But listen to these words. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. If there's one problem a lot of people seem to have. Is they remember who did what to them and when. And they've got a little book. And they write down all their records. And they remember everything. And this person did that to me. And I'll never forget this guy for that. So this person. Man if you call yourself a Christian. You need to burn that book. We are not supposed to keep records. Of how other people have done us over. I met some lady once out there in a the foyer. First time. She doesn't come here anymore. but I met her for the first time. I didn't know this lady from Eve. And it wasn't 30 seconds, and she starts to tell me all the horrible things her husband had done to her. He's of this, and he did that, and I'm just all this horrible stuff. And I went, Oh my goodness. I said, When did this happen? She said, 20 years ago. <laughs> Seriously? See, they live it like it was yesterday, they rehearse it over and over. It's called bitterness, it's called resentment. It's called unforgiveness. And we as people of faith have no business with that. If there's anything we need to forget. It's the people who have hurt us. What wrong they've done to us. What transgressions have been applied to us. That needs to become a distant memory. As quickly as possible. That's why we pray. Father forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who have sinned against us. uh, Amen. I don't know how many of you saw this on 60 Minutes. They did a story on people with extraordinary memories. Anybody see this? Yeah, saw that? It? These were people. Now, they, they, they were talking about it because it sets the whole science of brain on its head. Because they've always thought that the brain can only maintain and hold so much information and da-da-da-da-da. But apparently, they discovered a whole bunch of people. I mean, it's a very small group, but still, it's not just a freak deal. It's a fair amount of people who have extraordinary memories now check it out these people can remember the details of every single day of their lives they would ask them for example what happened on August 20th 1987 and they would tell you in extreme detail everything that happened that day you could take any date over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years and they could remember who they were with, what they did where they went, what they said, what they... I mean, it was amazing that people would have such detailed memories. There are those of us who have a hard time remembering what we did yesterday. But these guys remembered everything. But what struck me was that none of these people were married. (laughs) Uh, uh, Except for one actress who had been married, I think, three or four times. None of them could maintain a relationship. Isn't that amazing? None of them could maintain a relationship. Most of them had never been married. and The ones who had been married several times trying and failed every single time. Why? Because you can't do something that intense. And have a really good memory. It's true. you have to forget if you're going to succeed with people... In your life. You have to forgive. You have to forget. Let it go. If you're going to succeed in a church like this. You're going to have to forget when people hurt you. And they will hurt you. I promise you. Isn't that a great promise? You're going to have to forgive when people. Even your pastor. Is mean to you. Which I don't do intentionally. But apparently sometimes I'll say something. That someone gets really hurt by. Sorry about that. But you, man, you need to let it go. You cannot succeed in life, in your relationships with people, if you do not learn to forget. And more importantly, that prayer that we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus went on to say that, for if you do not forgive others when they sin against you, God will not forgive you. It's a bad place to be. I'm going to invite the ushers to come. And get ready to serve communion this morning. Musicians can come back up. Should all acquaintance be forgot, and the days of old lang syne? Well, the answer is no. That's the implication from this song. We should not forget who we are. We should not forget what's important to us. We should not forget our relationships and those acquaintances of old lang syne. There are important things that we do need to remember as people of faith. And certainly important things that we do need to learn how to forget. Again, our challenge is we tend to remember what we should forget. And we tend to forget what we should remember. But if there's one thing we as Christians should never forget. It's what we celebrate right now. You have to think about this. Jesus, on the night he's ready to be betrayed. He's about to go through incomprehensible suffering falsely accused, illegally arrested, brutally beaten and crucified on a cross for something he did not do. Yet he kept his mouth shut. He knew it was all going to happen. Told them it was going to happen. But did it nonetheless because he knew his calling. He was to be the Lamb of God who would suffer for the sins of mankind. But just before he does this, he sits down with the closest people in his life he has a final meal with them he says this bread represents my body which is broken for you this blood this wine represents my blood which will be shed for you but what he says to them is this as often as you do this do this in remembrance of me Why? he knows us we forget we forget what all this is about the most important part of our faith experience is the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins That's what makes this covenant deal possible. Where are you at with this this morning? Maybe you've come here for the first time. Maybe you've come for a long time. I don't know. Maybe you've never really taken that step and said, "God, I want to have that covenant deal with you. Forgive my sins, and I want to live by your principles." I'm going to bow everybody to bow bow their heads with me. We're going to pray together. Uh, A prayer, we always pray this prayer before we take communion, kind of reminding ourselves what all this is about. But if you've never really experienced God's forgiveness in your life, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer along with us. If you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong and put your faith in Jesus, you can begin your first steps of faith this morning as you enter into this covenant relationship. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you love me so much. You went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.